how do you approach the argument of it, it's too expensive to eat healthy? So it's the biggest myth out there that there is. I think it's the perception because again, veganism has been spoken to through a white lens. It's like whole foods. Yeah. Like I call it whole paycheck. And welcome to another Tea with Abby, episode number 10 of season two with the fabulous Robin Beltran. Good morning, Robin. How are you? Hello, everyone. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Um, So I'm here in my bedroom. This used to be in a studio podcast setup. Um, Where are you streaming in from this morning? I am in my bedroom as well. This is my bed right here. As you can see, it's, it's honestly my favorite room in the house. Um, I was telling my husband just yesterday, I'm like, we spend way too much time in our bedroom. (laughs) He's like, no, but it's like our space. So I like, I love being in my room. It's my most comfortable space for me. So I think it's important, especially as we've all been in this quarantine scenario to have a space in our house that feels like a sanctuary that we can kind of retreat to. Um, you know, not everyone has the luxury of having home offices or you live in a house alone, or you have roommates, but um, I can relate. I feel like our bedroom has kind of become a nice kind of quiet place, recharge the batteries, and then it's like the office and the cafeteria, like everything is out there. Exactly. I love that you called it a cafeteria. <laughs> That's what it feels like for me, and I feel like I'm constantly employed, and I don't get paid. You're the only one who works and serves in the cafeteria, I feel Exactly. Like. I'm um, so, Robin, you uh, are on the show this morning to talk about your company, um, the Black Vegan Company. Um, and the way that I've been uh, sort of acquainted with you is through my passion of acting. And we run into each other on set and um, costume fittings and things like that. Um, so I hope to get into that as well and just talk about how your two passions have kind of molded into one. But um, before we get started, why don't you just give us a little uh, intro about yourself, who you are and and what you do? Yes. Um, My name is Robin Beltran. I am the founder of the Black Vegan Company, as Abigail mentioned. Um, I am also uh, an actress. Uh, We both do film, commercial, television, acting. Um, And then I also am the founder of the Morpho Effect, which is a nonprofit organization Uh, that is reaching out during COVID-19 to uh, people in communities that aren't being addressed during this time or that maybe need a little more assistance. Mm. Um, So your um, mantra company statement, company mission, saving lives starting with food. Um, I find that to be a powerful statement. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, the stories that I've heard of people finding veganism or turning to plant-based diets have come from trauma um, where they had no other choice but to try this lifestyle. And then it opened up an entire new world for them. Um, In your case, uh, from what I've learned uh, through my little research, um, the start of this company seems pretty wild. And as it says on your website, um, your family went through something 
pretty insane. Um, your husband was shot in a robbery and recovering. This was the diet that he needed to heal. Can you, can you elaborate on that? That is, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was definitely a crazy time. Um, most people have the luxury of like choosing, you know, their diet and how they're going to proceed in life. And we were thrust into the situation in the scenario where my husband was shot in a robbery at gunpoint um, and was shot in the large intestine, the small intestine and the colon. And after 12 surgeries, uh, he ended up leaving the hospital with a colostomy bag for two years um, after fighting insurance companies and trying to get them to actually book a surgery to have it reversed. Um, and then after that, we found out that he had a hernia. So there was an additional surgery that he had to do. And at this exact time in our life, um, we were kind of at a crossroads where, you know, he had gone through so much with, you know, all of his traumas and trying to help him and help guide him and be uh, a caretaker and a loving figure, but also someone who could be an uh, inspiration to help him through this process. And I knew that uh, seeing in the hospitals the way things were going, and I was a child that grew up in the hospitals because my mother works in, in the hospitals and always has as a caregiver. Um, you know, I could tell that there was something wrong with the system when they just gave up on him and said that he would never be the same. And we noticed that he was having a lot of pain in his abdominal area after all of his surgeries. And you know, I was a, a very experienced athlete and played collegiately and had the chance to travel to Europe and, you know, uh, play on a, you know, volleyball tour. And, you know, so I've trained at very high levels and I understand food and how the body works. And so it was always, you know, it was chicken and fish and I cooked with olive oils and sea salts and, you know, I was healthy. And um, when we found out that he could no longer process meat, anymore because he would be doubled over in pain, I knew that something had to give. And it couldn't have been more narcotics because it was making him insane, absolutely insane. And I knew that we had to get him off of that, but I also knew too, we had to figure out something that he could eat that was also still gonna be enjoyable for him because as a man, you know, at the very least, when all of these things have been taken away from you, you at least want a decent meal. I'm like, gosh, like let the man eat something. and so. Um, after finding out that we needed to take and remove the, the processed foods and meat out of his diet, uh, we embarked on a vegan diet. And what happened was insane. Um, you know, two months later, you know, he was doing yoga and I noticed that his sleeping patterns had changed and he started to make music slightly again. And, you know, there were things that were evolving and more so I was looking at myself in the mirror and I didn't look the same. My hair was different. My skin was different. My body was different. I went from a size two or a size 10 to a size two. Not that I had a problem with my body because again, like I had no issues. But what I started to realize was that through that two month process, I was carrying around so much weight that I didn't realize whether it was mentally, physically, emotionally, as a mother and as a caregiver and as a provider and all of these things. And what I saw was, was looking back, was that I was extremely unhealthy and depressed and on the verge of a worse life, a worse life, and, and not in the process of being able to do what I needed to do as a woman and as a mother and as a wife. 
um, and as a caregiver. And so we embarked on this journey and we looked at each other and we were like, wow, you know, one of the things that we in African-American and, and minority communities suffer with the most is trauma. You know, I, I can, all of my friends who, you know, uh, are black or brown have known someone who's been shot or in jail or uh, discriminated against or abused. Um, and that's just a Monday, you know? And so seeing that so many of us dealt with so many traumas and that we're walking around in our day-to-day -day lives going from work to school to, you know, being a mom and trying to just keep the lights on was that we're all going through something. And if food, simple vegetables could uh, change the way that we feel and behave and the person that we become, I wanted to tell a lot of people. And so the mission of my company um, ended up coming from uh, one of my business partners and uh, co-founders of the company uh, was also battling depression. It was a Mexican American and um, works at a very high level in business, but discovered during Hurricane Harvey that he too was extremely depressed and could no longer go on living this way. And he called me, you know, we hadn't spoken in two years and he was like, hey, he was like, I need to do what you did with you and your husband. I need to go vegan. Like, I need you to cook for me. And I was like, I don't cook. Like I cook because I do like Sunday dinners and all of like, I have Sunday dinner every single you know month where all of my friends come over. My house is the place where everyone gathers and, and gets plates. And he was just like, no, you cook. He's like, I'm depositing money. I'm Venmoing you money right now. I'm like, it doesn't cost that much money for food. He was like, I don't care. Just go to the store and like get everything. It was the first day after Harvey that um, the stores had opened and the sun had come out and I had stood in line and got everybody's food and started cooking for him and delivered it to him the next day. And he also embarked on this plant-based diet. And after two weeks, he was like, I have eyebrows. He was like, I feel different. My back doesn't hurt anymore. I'm not sad. I'm like inclined to get up and do work. Um, and I'm inclined to write again. And he is an amazing writer, uh, publisher, and just incredible. And um, he wasn't able to do so until after embarking on this journey. And when it changed his life, he was like, I'm calling my business partners and we're investing in a company. And I was like, we don't have a company. He was like, we're going to call it the Black Vegan Company. And I was like, you can't say that. Like, we can't <laughs> do that. He was like, yes. He was like, we can say that. He was like, because we need to address the issues in our community and that you figured out a way to help rehabilitate your husband turn yourself into a new person and you've been able to help me and in ways that many people haven't been able to. And so other people in our community need to hear this. And so we started the black beacon company in his kitchen. Oh my God. Just like that. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was four years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I, what I think is incredible is food is such a, important piece of culture um uh, you know you come together to eat you eat to feel nourished you eat to feel you know um, like you have energy you need fuel um and so many people i think miss the mark on realizing that um the very makeup of your your yourself physically and mentally is directly made up from what you put in your mouth and um, I think what is so beautiful about your story is um, it started, you know, intimately between you and your husband, and then it kind of grew into this community. Um, 
thing. You were able to affect other families through it. And, um, that's just a, that's really wild. Um, I can't even imagine what processing that entire chapter of your life had felt like, um, just in terms of the trauma, like you just had mentioned. Um, so you guys started this thing you're like, okay, now I have a company. We're going to call it the black vegan company. Um, what happened next? Did you set out on a menu? Was it going to be catering? Like what, what came, what were the steps, um, to actually saying, okay, uh, this is who we are. This is what we do. So what was really interesting, and you know, you talked about how my acting career started fusing with my company. And the thing about me is, you know, I used to work as a professional matchmaker and I used to work in television and as an anchor. And um, I had regular segments on in Houston on Channel 11 with Sherry Williams. And, um, at, you know, making these appearances, talking about dating and working with people. And so I've always been very involved in communities and people intimately and how they operate and how to get them to be the better version of themselves. You know, as a matchmaker, I was also a life coach, you know, and uh, it was also a very important part in all of this. And so I also was a part of a large network of uh, people in the community, affluent people in the Houston community. And one of the things I was blessed to do, you know, after uh, going vegan and my body changed and my, my appearance changed, um, I'd always wanted to rip a runway. That was something like, I was like, God, if I could ever get my big butt up there to rip a runway, if they would let a size 10 model tear it down, I tried out for America's Next Top Model like multiple times. Like I made the, uh, the preseason for uh, Beauty and the Geek, you know? And so I was like, I know how to like work a room. Like I know how to talk to people and communicate with people and I love it. It's just where it's where I'm at home. If you see me out, I love people. Like I just love connecting with people. And I was like, okay, the easiest thing for me to do right now is to get my network of people together. I have all of these recipes that my husband is Mexican and half white and I'm a African American Southern woman. But when you come from H town, you know, my best friends are Latina or, you know, Indian or Korean or, you know, they're a little bit of everything. And so influences for me from a multicultural stance for food uh, was very exciting. And so looking at all the things I was cooking, it was like this weird blend of, you know, uh, Korean, you know, spices and, you know, herbs from India and with African-American soul and like Mexican traditions, you know? And so um, I took all of that and put that together. And my husband was like, this is my favorite dish. This is my favorite dish. My friends, when they would come over for Sunday dinners, I looked and saw how they responded to the food. Um, and so that's how I kind of gathered my menu. And once I had my menu, I then took my menu and got with my modeling community. I was blessed and fortunate enough uh, to get signed after my appearance had changed. And that's when I started getting into acting and, and television and film and then full-fledged modeling and worked with Tori Birch's jewelry designer, Jesse Dugan, who I'm now best friends with and lives in Houston. Um, and 
I started seeing how I knew all of these people and I started just connecting them. And I was like, I'm seeing all these jewelry designers and fashion designers who are my friends do pop-ups. was like, I'm going to do a pop-up with them. I'll just bring a little hot pan. I went to Walmart and got a $30 hot pan and a table. And I didn't have anything to set my table up. So I literally would take my kitchen table and the pieces from my kitchen into my pop-up spaces. And working with Jesse taught me about staging and started working with woods and metals and designs. And I just took the wood and metal pieces from my home and I got a print up. We had our logo done and had a print up, you know, from Kiko's and framed it with a $10 frame and got an easel. And, you know, that was the beginning of the Black Vegan Company. It started on Cinco de Mayo. Um, and it came from my agent's best friend, you know, who was putting together this event. And so I found my two worlds all of a sudden colliding where people not only were able to see me and, you know, T-Mobile commercials now, but they were seeing me on the ground cooking for people and spreading a message that wasn't so familiar to people who looked like me, um, you know, at a time where it's not like veganism now, like four years ago, it was like a, a complete different world. Yes. Um, and so as they started to move together, um, a lot of people have just poured out in the community in a lot of different ways. Like, hey, I need you for a house party or, hey, my friends are doing a pop-up. And from there, the next thing you know, I found myself working with the Houston Rockets and at their training camps and, you know, feeding, you know, uh, flautas and, you know, fun things that I was then cooking in my kitchen. I was cooking in their homes, you know, for their families and taking them um, on grocery store tours. And so it started with pop-ups and then I started doing meal prep to where I would deliver to these clients regularly. And then they were like, hey, you know, I, and one of the things I wanted, I, as a matchmaker, I always learned if your client is staying with you, there's a problem. Like they need to like find a date and move on. Like if you're <laughs> single for 20 years and you're still coming back to me, there's an issue. And I felt the same way about food. Like if I'm just cooking for you and delivering food to you because you like the taste of it, I'm not helping you. And that's not my purpose is not to be a food truck just to throw food out to people. Okay. My purpose was to be a guide in the African-American and brown communities on how to approach food and how to heal your body with paprika and turmeric and using pink Himalayan sea salt versus regular sea salt because it still maintains all of the minerals which helps detoxify your body. And you won't oversalt your food which African-American people are prone to doing because their taste buds are numb because of the processed foods that they're now used to. And so it got really deep for me. And so that's when we started grocery store tours and closet uh, consultations and people's kitchens where I show up at your house and we go through your pantry and, you know, you tell me everything you love. Tell me you love pizza. Tell me you love, uh, you know, cornbread and grits. Tell me you love like, you know, jambalaya. And I'm going to take all of those things that you love and we're going to find a way at the grocery store to approach the things that you like, but with a new spin on it. It's like taking your grandma's, you know, old recipes and give them a modern twist so that it's healthier and fresher. And so that we're not dying of the diseases that African-American and brown communities die of like diabetes and high blood pressure or, you know, a number of things uh, that we go through drug abuse, you know, uh, to numb the trauma. And so once we started doing that, it was a great way to 
be able to introduce people into veganism and for me to be a guide, but for them to then spread the, the journey of veganism to other people in their communities, like their family members, because that's what happened for me. It started with my family, then it went to my friends, then it went to my mom and my uncles. And now I find myself as my family's getting older and they're battling these issues, they call me. You know, they're like, how do I get rid of, you know, the swollen ankle? And I'm like, well, it's inflammation. And you probably have had too much salt in your diet. So let's flush your system by doing X, Y, Z, you know, and it's all in your pantry right now. And you don't have to spend a ton of money because veganism doesn't have to be expensive. It can be relative to your home. So it's just taking everything that I knew and made it my own personal experience not that I'm an expert, but it's for me to be able to, to share my journey if I can help people in one way or another. Yeah. I can't help but want to ask you some questions about culturally introducing veganism into the black and brown communities, because mm-hmm. I live in a Dominican household. My husband is from the Dominican Republic, um, and he's also the co-founder of Blended Sense as well. <laughs> um, what? It's a plug-in plug in in case you don't know it's true um so i adore my in-laws they live in washington heights new york city and food is very important to them um but it's mostly a meat diet made up of you know rich saucy kinds of foods chicken and oxtail and pork and a company of beans and rice and um it's a really heavy diet and uh i know that a lot of the way that they have to eat is a result of sort of what happens when immigrants come into this country and how they're pushed into this you know socioeconomic class and what they have access to to cook to make food with to provide for and then the education around food pretty much doesn't exist and then problems start to arise and they get caught up in the medical um, kind of cycle like you were talking about, which is just sort of like mask it with some medication. And doctors don't always, you know, have the best intentions when it comes to prescribing pharmaceuticals. It's a little bit of a money, um, you know, way for them to to make cash. So it's like, you know, there's there's this pull. Right. Um, so. Walking into that home, um, uh, while I, I, I try to be very respectful and I don't want to ever make my in-laws feel that I'm, um, criticizing or, or feeling negative about the food they love to cook. Um, but I'm just curious as to like, how did you begin to introduce these sort of new habits in a way that preserved what people feel so proud of culturally? Um, and, and, you know, how do, how do those conversations go when, when they're like, you know, you're, you're trying to get them to make a jambalaya an alternative way. And they're like, this is my grandmother's recipe. Are you kidding me? They will fight you. You will, yeah, you can get, yeah. you can, this is, this is a delicate situation, Abigail. Okay. You I understand. There, you know, thinking you got the way because you will get shot out of there really quickly. And I know because it's happened to me and I hear <laughs> the horror stories that people have gone through. Um, it, it, 
So on our blog, we have um, my other business partner, Nicole Valadez, who's Mexican, mm -hmm. uh, who's now vegan from Richard Rosenberg uh, and comes from a very traditional Mexican family. And she lived in DC, very like posh, you know, cool, forward life, and then ended up finding herself coming back home and having to address that on Thanksgiving that she's now vegan. And it's called the five stages of grief when telling your family that you're vegan at Thanksgiving. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amazing article and it's something that we all go through because like you said, it's food for us is not, it's the only thing that we have as poor people. You know, when we find ourselves, you know, as enslaved communities and, you know, in times of hardship, like during the civil rights or, you know, when things were happening for us, the one safe place that we had in the nucleus that we had was our kitchen table. You know, it's the one place where you feel familiar and loved and comforted and built like you are getting the nourishment that you need to go on to battle that very scary world through the eyes of a black or brown person. And so food for us has been ingrained in us as everything. It's, it's just like a, it, it, it is the equivalent of family, you know? Um, they go together, they're, they're synonymous. And so when you try and strip th the last thing that we have away from us, and you're like, no, I've fought for this. Like I fought for who we are as people and where we come from and, you know, what that means. And, and sometimes when people pass on, you know, like a grandmother or a loved one, sometimes that sweet potato pie is the only thing that connects you two together, you know, because it made it, you made it just the way that she did or close enough to try and recreate that feeling. Or as a woman who loves to provide and loves to cook and feed people, there's nothing better than giving someone their favorite dish and you don't want to mess with that. And so I found myself in a scary situation in a place, you know, telling my family. So two things. One, you have to be strong. You've got to be incredibly strong in your beliefs as to what you're doing and who you are and also why that is you're doing it. Because they're, they will come for you. They will turn on you so incredibly quick and you will not know what to do or where you find yourself. Um, and so... At the same time, you also can't force something on people. You can, but you have to do it secretively. You have to like, <laughs> you gotta sneak it in, you know? You, you gotta put their medicine in a pill pod and tell them it's a snack, you know? Um, and so the way that you do that, and the way that I started doing that was, you know, one thing that's familiar for us is flavor. Like the reason veganism doesn't resonate with black and brown people because it's seen through a very white lens. You know what I mean? It, it is salad and celery sticks. And, right. and we're like, hell no. Yeah. It's not happening. Kale. And you're not taking, you know, my, my enchiladas away from me. You're not taking, you know, that pulled pork sandwich away from me. Like, that is who I am. Like, that has emotional attachment. And so flavor is how you reach them. And you can't throw it at them and say, oh, look at this vegan dish. I made it just like you do with whatever. It has to be something that's very, you know, unassuming, um, mm -hmm. something where if you get a chance to create a dish, maybe it is at Thanksgiving, which is an amazing time to be able to introduce someone to a dish that you made. Maybe you don't say anything about what it is. You just throw it down on the table and, you know, you, but you have to make sure you have all the elements. You can't miss things. So 
one of the things that I found is like cooking with spices that are familiar to a lot of cultures, turmeric, uh, which also helps with inflammation. Paprika does the same thing. Pink Himalayan sea salt detoxifies and flushes your system. Crushed red pepper, any types of pepper, add oxygen to the blood and aerate your system and help push things out, you know, a little bit more that don't need to be in your system. So cooking with these things gives them the taste that they want on their palate, but gives them the nutrients that they need on the back end. Um, and then it's also texture. You have to find foods that are spot on with texture because texture for them, they, that's how they know. They're like, that's a frog, <laughs> you know, or they're like, something's wrong with this mayday, mayday, like false chicken alert, false chicken alert. So you have to make sure you're still making the roux and the sauces. So it comes with a lot of just experimenting in your kitchen, you know, perfecting dishes. And once you feel like you've perfected something, that's when it's okay to like take it out into the world and introduce it that way. Um, because that's how you get people to go vegan. The way I trick people all the time, I make things that, you know, people, they, they know, and I call it just that, you know, if you want jambalaya, we got jambalaya in here. Great. Do you want pulled pork? Great. Here's pulled pork jackfruit, you know, or pulled pork barbecue. If they're not familiar at all, you know, or doing sausage and grits. And that when you think sausage and grits, you don't think vegan at all. And so, you know, but when you have the flavors and the spices and the textures lined up, people's mind says that's sausage and grits. Once you tell them it's vegan, they then think, I would have never known. You mean to tell me that was vegan? They might not go vegan that week, but they'll tell someone whenever they come in contact, oh, my, my daughter-in-law is vegan and she made this sausage and grits for me. It was amazing. Like maybe when I go out, I'll try another vegan dish somewhere, you know? Um, maybe if I'm not feeling so good and I'm like, well, you know what? I know I love, you know, carne asada or, you know, whatever, but the last time I ate it, it doesn't make me feel good. And maybe I should do something a little lighter. Maybe I should try that vegan dish, or maybe I can make something vegan, um, that you can do, you know? So just be delicate and, but at the same time, be really firm about who you are because, the thing that I noticed was once I made the change, because I was determined, it was right when I, you know, it was about a year before I started acting. And the moment that they saw me on TV and they were like, was that you on the T-Mobile commercial with Odell Beckham Jr.? Was that you that I saw? Do you have a movie on HBO? Like, they see where you once were from being involved in the trauma. And then they see how you now look, how your skin has changed, how maybe you used to be angry and used to battle from depression and maybe you didn't, how maybe you moved to a new city and started a new life, how maybe things have gotten better for you and they lovingly see how food has helped you. Then they're like, I'm gonna, this can't be bad. You know, I didn't lose that person. They're still there. They're just a different, better version of themselves. I want to do that too. Lead by example. Um, it's the best way. So what about running into the argument of the financial side of things? Because I've, I've heard this before, like, and it just does not make sense to me at all because we eat, I would say a very heavy uh, plant diet. We don't eat red meat and things like that. Um, uh, and I've, been vegetarian in the past and um but basically what i'm just trying to say is 
what do you do about, uh, how do you approach the argument of it, it's too expensive to eat healthy? So it's the biggest myth out there that there is. I think it's the perception because again, veganism has been spoken to us through a white lens. It's like whole foods. Yeah. Like I call it whole paycheck. Cause I yeah. today, I would love to know who does a full shopping, who, who shops there for with the whole grocery cart. I'm like, what? I don't get it. It's so expensive. Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Yeah, Even exactly. Matthew McConaughey goes to HEB. He yeah, right? He, he literally, he goes to the HEB in the hills. He does not go to Whole Foods, you know, like that's where he's seen shopping. So I, so the thing is, is that when we first started going vegan, we had to do it with my husband who had gone through all of these surgeries we had no money i had a small kid i was living in a terrible apartment complex like we had one car it was not an ideal time living paycheck to paycheck barely making it with the help of my mother you know and um we went to the dollar store. We started out at the 99 cents only store because it was all that we could afford but they had vegetables they may not have been organic. They may not have been what at that time, but we started doing that. I started pureeing my son's uh, foods as a baby from the dollar store. I would get sweet potatoes and because it was cheaper that way than to buy little pints of, you know, or little, uh, I don't even know what size, they're like bite size, you know, yeah. bites for my kid. And I was like, I can't afford to continue to buy Gerber. I can buy a sweet potato and that's like, 10 things of Gerber and it's, you know, the same price. Um, and so it started there, but then also looking at things I could afford. What's easy? Beans and rice. Super cheap. You can eat off beans and rice for forever. Every person of color knows beans and rice. We all incorporated in some way. It may be a different bean. It may be a black bean versus a pinto bean. You know, like it may be a lima bean versus, you know, yeah a red bean, but you find a, a area in this world and there are beans relative there. Chickpeas, super inexpensive, you know. Um, they might come in a can sometimes, you know. If that's the way that you start, then start there. Um, the other thing is too, I would say to stay away from a lot of the vegan processed foods because that's where your budget is going to get really expensive. Sausages cost six dollars, cheeses are five to six dollars if you're going to want a, a decent one. Um, if you can afford to do that and you want to splurge and you're like, you know what, I am getting, you know, a hot dog, I'm making chili cheese dogs today. And, and that's, you know, where you want to go. If you have it in the budget that week, great. But at the same time, you don't have to live like that spaghetti. You can load your spaghetti with, uh, you know, vegetables, which are super inexpensive. And also you know, sauce is super inexpensive. Pasta is super inexpensive. Again, we talk about carbs. If you don't want to do a lot of carbs, then switch it up, you know? Um, again, grains are always inexpensive. So there's a way to do it at the basic foundation with a small budget to be able to eat healthy. And there's also different ways that even in situations where you may not normally be able to afford something, maybe you can. Um, I also work for the largest organic farm in Texas, Johnson's Backyard Garden here in Austin. And we accept uh, WIC you know, at a few of our booths and stands, you know, uh, one of the cool things that a lot of people don't know is we do like two for ones or three for ones, the exchange 
um, where, you know, maybe normally where you would have to give three of your, your WIC bucks, um, you normally only do one. And usually we like stack on a little extra vegetables anyway. It's all organic, it's healthy, but the farmer's market is not a place where people of color feel welcomed. It's not a thing that we're familiar, you know, with. Like we're more likely to go to a Jovi's or a, a Fiesta because that feels like home for us, you know? So means of access like me being that bridge and as a guide to, you know, how you can get to places in an, in an economical way um, is really important. We need more advocates like myself. I encourage more people to use platforms similar to mine. If it's, you know, in whatever vegan way, I see doctors and other chefs and, you know, um, sustainability, you know, bloggers and different people that are doing different things. We need as many people showing people and guiding the community as to where to go. Um, SFC. Yeah. Tabitha Brown, who's like blowing up on TikTok. Um, I just think it's great. And I've learned so much just from scratching her TikToks. I'm like, bacon made out of carrots? Ooh, that sounds amazing. Exactly. Um, so do you think naming the name of your company then? I, th- I feel like it must, it, it's very smart because it's right there. It says exactly the black vegan company. Do you think that name has opened some doors for you into the communities that you're trying to affect? Um, Absolutely. I, I think one of the most important things is if you're going to approach this space, just like if you were going to approach your in-laws, you know, you better walk in that kitchen speaking Spanish and really know what you're talking about, you know, um, or you better have a really good relationship with them. Like I need my black card, you know, uh, normally the name is a very controversial name. If you see the logo, uh, the black vegan company, the black in the black vegan company is not black. It's green because we wanted to associate green plants and green living with black people. And we wanted to destigmatize the 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 veganism in Black communities. Um, and the tagline "Saving Lives, Starting with Food" was one of the things that we realized. Of course, you know, going through our traumas was that food uh, was the the access point to a better life. Uh, Tupac has a quote, and uh, you know, in one of his songs that says, "If you change the way you eat." You'll change the way you think and you change the way that you treat each other. And that's exactly what I experienced. And it starts with food. And so it's incredibly relative to people and their diet, because again, disproportionately, we're the ones suffering because of our diets. We're the ones battling COVID-19 in the hardest ways. Why? Because of our diets and what we already have battled before it even happened. We were the ones, you know, getting our legs cut off because of diabetes or, you know, going through, you know, a uh, heart explosion where our valves are exploding because we're bloated with cholesterol. You know, um, black men are dying who seemingly look healthy. There's a, a huge number of celebrities um, who have been dying the past three years, influential celebrities for the black community that have an aneurysm and then they're just no longer there you know, and you're like, wait, what happened? You know, directors and, 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 and cornerstones and builders of the music industry that have shown us we can have a better life, you know, and, and how to aspire to do something, you know, and so it's really important that we related 
to our community. And I live in a multicultural household and a in a Afro Latino household. You know, my last name is Beltran. And my kids need to understand about their food and they also need to understand their culture. And I felt the same way about the community it was taking my home and giving that to the community. Um, and it's not just for black people. You see the, you know, you see the fist and you know, you see the name black, but it's it's about taking what is seen in the world as being the ugliest and the worst and putting it in your face and saying, we too can be great and we too have excellency and we too can do positive things and can move forward and be healthy and positive and affluential. And, you know, we too can, can come back from the things that typically hold us down and we can do it through food. Let's do that. Let's start there. I'm like really um, so thankful for this conversation today. Uh, because I think navigating into a new space for my household, uh, we're about to welcome a baby. Um, we have talked a lot about how we want to balance um, our culture. So I come from a French-Canadian background, um, which uh, interestingly shares a lot of similarities in terms of diet and heart disease um, for different reasons. Um, I think just because of access um to, to what was available in Canada to eat, but also, um, okay, we now have a Dominican household. And so we're thinking about how do we want to incorporate our culture and, um, build each other up and make each other feel strong as we introduce a new little baby into this world. And, um, I feel like we could talk about that for ages, <laughs> but, um, I'm just really thankful to have this conversation with you today at this kind of intersection of my life where all uh, where all things are shifting dramatically and food has been the most grounding part of this pregnancy I'm so grateful I've not been sick at all um and so food has been really important to um feeling together and whole and fulfilled um I want to shift gears real quick and just talk a little bit about the balance uh for you um as someone who's multi-passionate as an entrepreneur, as a mother, like how has this journey been bringing um, the Black Vegan Company to life now, Morpho Effect, um, which I am going to ask you a question specific about COVID-19 and what you guys are doing. Um, but I'm just kind of interested in how do you balance personally sort of that day-to-day -day schedule? Like what is it like to be a um, person <laughs> doing a lot of stuff <laughs> and doing it well? Let me add that. People yeah. out there don't know. Robin is a successful, fierce, fierce woman. Let me tell you, I, I'd like to think and say like, oh, I'm just that fabulous where I can keep it together because literally two days ago, I was at my wit's end and was like, <laughs> everybody's got to go. I told my husband was been making an album. And so I've been trying to like do, you know, social distancing school and like, still do everything for the black vegan company but then also like balance the stuff you know with the morpho effect and then also work at the farm you know every weekend and then also have a four-year-old who's not yet in school but trying to like keep her occupied while her playmate is doing school in the house and my husband's making an album and i still have to cook and make dinner but i also need to do you know a video so i can still have content you know for my company and you know also still plan for you know the donation drives and it's like 
sometimes I think, you know, we talked about creating spaces for yourself in your home, wherever that is, that is your place of sanctuary. That is my room. Why? Because it has a lock on the door <laughs> and they can't get me. And I have a right in my room. Um, I've become very selfish um, in ways that benefit not only myself, but my family. And it's being stern. It's just like you talked about when, you know, telling people you're going vegan, you're going to get, you know, thrown a thousand different, you know, comebacks as to why it's the worst thing for you to do ever. But it's important for you to stand strong in your beliefs and what it is that you do. Because if not, all of your dreams will be tumbled and crushed, whether it's by your kids, you know, and not maybe on purpose, or maybe it's via your husband. And because you put too much effort into, you know, giving him everything you needed, but at the end of the day, you're completely drained and you're not doing the things that you intended to do. Um, and my daughter always is my reference, point of reference for that. I always think about if I were seeing my daughter do the same things, would she be disappointed or would she be proud to see me as a woman operating right now? And so even though she may want something at that moment, I'm like later on as, a, as an adult, when you become a mother, you too will understand why I closed the door and locked it and <laughs> took my yoga mat out and lit a little sage and like found some woosahs and drank my tea or why you went to bed early or why we're not doing movie night, you know? Um, and so I'm always incorporating throughout the day a way to add and not take away. And the way that I do that is by adding things in my life that always help me build. So I never drink things that add sugar to my body. That's going to be a negative sugar. I'll find a positive sugar, more so like an agave or a honey or a local honey. You know, that's really important. Everyone has the vegan argument about vegan not being, or honey not being vegan, but it cures all of my family's allergies. So it's like the one thing, and I really don't believe in it being, you know, uh, an animal product. It's very helpful. Um, and it's great for your skin. Um, but, you know, by doing things like that in the morning time, I always drink matcha. I don't just drink matcha, which is what I have in my cup. I layer it with charcoal because I know I need to detox at the same time. Um, I also add in uh, cranberry because it's really good for my skin. And I know that being an actress, I have to have decent skin, but I'm not always able to do facials. I also, you know, will layer in aloe vera gel, you know, or aloe vera juice because I know that that's helpful as well. So just by drinking my tea, I'm being selfish for myself in a way, you know, um, if my kids are doing you know, their work, it's the time that I step away to do my work. I always have a schedule uh, in my house where I try and maintain some form of order so that everyone can do their jobs. And I also believe in empowering your family to do things on their own and to do their own personal tasks and jobs so that everyone's happy in the house and everyone feels productive. Um, but I think centering that comes from the mom because usually were the most organized um, and calendars. And so for me, once I finally got a calendar for my life and color coordinated it for purple, you know, for family, blue, you know, for all of my acting stuff, because that's the color of my agent's, uh, you know, logo or green for the black vegan company or, you know, purple for the morpho effect. Seeing my calendar filled out, I'm like, I know what's going on in my life. I know what's happening with who 
at what time and I'm not stressing. And I actually have a little extra time to do my facial because I'm not spending 10 extra minutes trying to figure out a game plan, you know, last minute. And so whenever I get an audition last minute, my agent's like, I need this in 24 hours. I'm like, do you know what I have to do in 24 yeah. hours to like make this happen? Do you know what couch I have to move around to do this self-taping right now and to get them to be quiet long enough to tape a decent take? Like it, it's all of those things, but it also takes building a community around you um, and building tools in your life. Uh, I always have my yoga mats. I don't know if you can see them visual and I have them visual in my kids' rooms as well. So they're always laying on their yoga mat. So it inclines them to do yoga more often because you see it or to incorporate things where you're like, oh, this is like a benefit. Let me do more of that and not do things that take away. So I live by that. Is it helping me or is it hindering me? Oh, that's it. That's awesome. I mean, that's an anxiety point for me, thinking about what is it going to be like as I step into motherhood? Um, how do I continue pursuing my passion of wanting to like make another feature and bringing my company to another region and um, cook dinner? Like um, I'm, I find it so powerful right now to listen to the stories of women like yourself um, to know that it's possible. And whenever I saw, I, I saw you at a fitting once, um, and your, your children were in tow and they were sitting so quietly, um, just kind of waiting. And, um, it made me feel like I can, it's possible. Um, and so I'm grateful for how boldly you live your, and set an example for, for women. And um, I, we have to, we have to, I grew up with a, a single mother and, my, my grandmother used to always tell me, can't doesn't fit in our vocabulary. And, down. and I hated her for it. <laughs> because, like, and I was always just like, I can't do that. Like, I don't want to, can't does not fit in our vocabulary. Now go get it done. And she was the reason I became an actress and worked in television and in TV and knew and gave me that ability to be the can you know, in every facet of my life, you know, and by doing that, I can genuinely say, you know, even now, even when things get like a little sideways, my life is really balanced. Like I am madly in love with my husband and he is madly in love with me and my kids are thriving and doing really well and, you know, work and the types of things that we're doing really sit well with me. And so there's this balance for myself because I'm always checking it. I'm always like, oh, something doesn't feel right. Like, let me realign myself. Oh, my stomach hurts. Let me flush my system. I'm not connecting with my kids right now. I need to stop and breathe. And like, they need to go away for a little bit. I need to center myself so that I can focus on them. You know, it's always taking back parts of yourself and we have the ability to do it all but it also takes discipline and it also takes women not being afraid to say, damn it, let's do it. Like, let's do it all. You know, let's have that relationship. Like you're in control of all of those things. It's just how you organize to get them and to maintain them. Wonderful. Um, before we wrap up, um, can you touch base a little bit on COVID-19, how the Black Vegan Company is responding, this initiative of yours called the Morpho Effect, um, and just sort of what's what's happening for 
your business in this season. Um, yeah, what's what's going on there? Yeah, so when everything hit, we had just finished our uh, central market tour um, where I was traveling around Texas, uh, educating people uh, on cooking with adaptogens from Dr. Ben's for mental health. And so we were having the time of our lives and I started a play um, at ACC. Uh, I can't believe you came out and I didn't even get to see you. I love you. Oh, I loved it. It was so clever and fun. Um, I was in need of some theater. I hadn't seen it. I grew up in the theater and I hadn't seen any, I hadn't been that fulfilled that way in a while. And then, um, you know, we run a company together, so our budgets aren't that great. And when I looked up the price of the ticket, I was like, oh, let's, we could do that. That's a date night and Robin's in it. I know Robin. Let's go. I love it. Thank you. That was so awesome. <laughs> You're but, awesome. Um, and we had just wrapped that up and we had just committed to starting another tour as soon as the play wrapped. So mm -hmm. that Sunday came, that last show happened and literally Dr. Vim's in Central Market, they wanted to book dates for when we were going to start the tour again. And that week, that Monday or Tuesday was when they had committed to doing the lockdown, I believe that Friday or Saturday. And so that's when everything happened. And um, so the tours got canceled. We were also about to do our official launch uh, publicly for the Black Vegan Company and introducing it to Austin. Um, and, you know, just introducing our services of cooking lessons and grocery store tours, which are all in person. And all of that got pushed to the wayside. And so a few years back, my son had, um, we were driving downtown Houston and there's a huge group of homeless people and that live in the downtown area. And that boy has the biggest heart and wants to save the world. And the homeless community is always this first target. And he was like, mommy, you started the Black Beacon Company. You should feed 10,000 people. And I was like, I can't feed 10,000 people. Where would I get food from? You know, like I cook for people, like affluent people. Like, and I don't, I don't have the money to go and buy enough food for like where would I where would that happen and and so fast forward three years two years actually um my son goes to the idea school at Palmer Park and it was the first day of uh packet pickup for the kids where you have to come pick up your packet for your months uh months worth of work and there were two lines and we weren't aware and after waiting for quite some time, we realized that we were in the food line and not the packet pickup line. And they came and let us know, oh no, you need to go around to the other line. And so we went to the other line and he was like, mom, are all those people that are going to my school, are they waiting for food? And I was like, yeah, I was like, sometimes because people aren't working and I have to explain the pandemic and I, I call it the apocalypse with the kids. Um, and he was just like, we should get the food from the farm and give it to the people at her school. And we can feed 10,000 people. And I was like, you're right. Because since we moved to Austin, I started working again at, at Johnson's Backyard Garden. And you know, I know that there's an excess of food when we leave that market and they do huge donations. Uh, in our community, which I love Johnson's Backyard Garden. And so normally we get tips. And so it started, we put a little tip sign up, you know, for people to make donations. And we were able to gather enough money to be able to buy vegetables and to 
you know, donate them every Monday at the Idea School at Parmer Park so that anybody in the Austin community with school-aged children can come get fresh organic vegetables because they're providing breakfast and lunch, but what about dinner? And what about what's in those meals, you know? And are they getting fresh organic vegetables like in produce, you know, at this quality? I'm sure they're not. And how do they even get to a grocery store? Because a lot of them live in food deserts. And so we've started the initiative. And we also, I'm the founder of uh, the Morpho Effect, which is a nonprofit that uh, is able to organize in communities of color to be able to help uh, those in need, like during times such as now. So we've been able to purchase over 500 meals to feed uh, black and brown owned uh, restaurants uh, in the DC area where we're purchasing meals from MLK Deli and Cocolita and we are buying food from them so that they can stay open and donating the meals to frontline workers at community centers. Um, obviously my mother works in the hospitals and I know there's such a need there but I also know that in these basic government-run community centers that they're not getting anything. And so we've been donating food there for them and their families. And that's what we're doing, our initiative there in D.C. with the Morpho Effect. And then here in Austin, we are donating fresh produce and organic vegetables to the IDEA school, um, which is where I am. I live here. I give here. So um, we're going to also be starting an initiative in Atlanta. And we know that, you know, everyone's like, we don't know how long COVID's going to go on or how long it's going to last. We don't care. We know that before the, all of this hit, um, that these families were in need, just like they do like in times of Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Katrina, and they're gonna need it during, and they're sure as hell gonna need it afterwards. So we're still gonna be there to be able to provide for our community because there's just not enough organic vegetables in the hood. So we're gonna try and give out as much as possible, you know, the people or people that they may not even be in the hood, just anybody like that needs fresh produce, you know, and that's why we opened it to everyone. And it's just been, it's been amazing. It's been really amazing. And they've inspired me so much. So cool. So if you're in Austin on Monday and you happen to catch this episode and you are a family, you need your need of some food for your household, you can find the Black Vegan Company at the Idea School. At Parmer Park. At Parmer Park. Mm-hmm in Austin from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. every Monday. It's fantastic, Robin. So everyone can have vegetables for the week, every week. Woo. Well, I am so grateful for you being so honest and open this morning and just sharing your story and, um, you, you know, definitely inspiring me. Um, we have a little tradition here at Tea with Abby. We call it the Statement Sip. And it's the mantra, the quote, the saying, something you love to live by. Do you have one of those for us this morning? Yes. Um, my thing that I always live by and that I tell everyone, if it doesn't feel good, let it go. Ooh. Okay, I'm writing this down, and I'll tell you how we do this. If it doesn't feel good. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Um <laughs> okay so don't get us started <laughs> oh you have a daughter I can only imagine um did I play Elsa for children's birthday parties in my past life maybe I feel like you'd be a magical Elsa I'm a great Elsa let me tell you I'm a phenomenal Elsa um okay so I'm gonna count I'll say one two three and we'll say this together if it doesn't feel good let it go 
We'll give each other a little cheers. Take a sip of our tea. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. One, two, three. If it, if it doesn't feel good, let it let go. it go. <laughs> and that's the tea. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into another episode of Tea with Abby. Thank you so much, Robin Beltran from the Black Vegan Company, The Morpho Effect. You can see her anywhere right now. Uh, you know, commercials, TV, uh, film, talented. Um, I am just grateful for your time and your energy this morning, and I'm so excited to see the ripple effect of what happens next as we kind of all come out of this pandemic and need some healing from our traumas. So thank you, Robin. Thanks so much for watching Tea with Abby. Be sure to click subscribe and smack that like button so you can stay tuned. <laughs> smack that like button. See that like button? Smack it. Thanks so much for watching an episode of Tea with Abby. Be sure to click subscribe and smack that like button so you can stay tuned with new episodes all year long. And if you want to learn more about Blended Sense, visit us at our website, www.blendedsense.com, or follow us on social at Blended Sense or at BlendedSense.io. See you next week.